Good morning, LifePoint. It is so good to be with you this morning. Now, I want to continue in our series on Breakthrough this morning, Miracles of God. And in preparing for this message this morning and reviewing all of the stories in the Bible, the great stories about miracles, I realized we really need one in this season. Honestly, folks, we need to look to God more than ever. And one of the ways that we need to look to God is by building our faith and going back and remembering the miracles that he's done before. Miracle breakthroughs are simply events that happen that are completely out of the ordinary that absolutely no one can explain. Miracles show that God is real. Miracles wake people up spiritually. Miracles meet needs. Miracles protected people that God wanted to protect it. They provide for people. They freed people from oppression and evil. And they were performed either directly by God or by God's appointed person. Miracles are something that is very tender to the heart of God. Miracles of healing. He was moved when people were in pain. Miracles of raising the dead. It was truly miraculous. Miracles of nature. Things that shouldn't have happened that suddenly happened. Miracles of evil spirits being cast out of people. Miracles demonstrate God's power and God's greatness. Psalm 77, 14 says, You are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the people. There were miracle births in the Bible. Now, birthing children was a very big deal in the Old Testament. Many women, if they didn't have kids, you just were not the end thing. And there were some women that had some serious issues around having children. Sarah ended up miraculously having Isaac after not being able to bear children. And she was so old when she finally had him. She was 95 years old. Then you had Hannah who had Samuel. You know, the thing about it is, is Hannah had been crying out to God for a child. And back in those days, there were plural marriages. So her husband was married to another woman who was having children and then she couldn't have children. And she would cry all the time. And Panina was not a very nice person. So she would mock Hannah and make fun of Hannah. And every year when they went to the temple, they would eat. And he would, Elkanah was the husband. And he would bring the food to his wife Panina and to their children. And then he would take Hannah her food and he would give her extra Because he felt bad for her. He was tender about her situation. And finally, when she cried out to God, she said, God, if you will just give me a child, I will dedicate him back to you. And she did just that. And the child ended up being raised in the temple by Eli. And he was raised up to become a mighty man of God. And he was actually standing in sort of a king position, if you will, Back in that time, God had mercy on her. And then there was this other real sticky situation as if plural marriages couldn't get worse with Rachel and Leah. And their situation was they were two sisters. 
And their dad had this little schemey way of operating. And so he actually made Jacob marry Leah instead of Rachel. Because Rachel was the one that Jacob loved. He tricked Jacob into marrying Leah. In the Bible, not the Bible, but the traditions say back then that they always liked the beautiful women in which Rachel was extremely beautiful. And Leah was not. Leah, the, the history tells us that Leah kind of had a long neck and she had eye troubles and she was not something that would be eye candy, if you will. And so what would happen is they tricked Jacob. Now, folks, don't ask me how this happened. I got no idea. But Jacob wakes up the next day and realizes that he is married to Leah, not Rachel. And he did not love Leah like he loved Rachel. And he had to work another seven years to finally earn rights over Rachel. So now you've got a situation where two sisters are married to one man. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) I can't make this stuff up. So there they are. Rachel can't have children, and Leah is having lots of children. And Rachel's heart is broken, but Leah's heart is more broken because God knows that Leah is not loved. And God's heart was so tender for Leah. And so he opened her womb miraculously and allowed her to have these children. And for years and years, Rachel did not bear children. Finally, After many years, Rachel bears children. But Leah, all her life, wondered if she was loved. And at the end of time, when Jacob finally gets ready for his burial, he's getting ready to die, and he tells the kids, I want to be buried with Leah, which says a lot. It says, I love Leah. And he ultimately loved her. God God cares about the things that we care about. God blessed her with that love, finally, that she so deeply desired. Psalms 113.9 says, He settles the childless woman in her home as a happy mother of children. Praise the Lord. Now these miracles show that the Lord cares about the desires of our heart. He cares about how we feel. And we need to remember That God cares for us right where we are, right in our situation, right with the things that we desire inside our own hearts. Miracles happened at times of national religious crisis. When they were challenged as to far as who was the real God, and we learned a lot about Elijah last week with Pastor George, but they they were saying, the Baals are God. And Elijah said, no, no, no. The Baals are not God. And he's in this big thing, which you learned a lot about last week. But he challenges the Baal prophets and he says, if your God is really God, then meet me down here and let's let this thing go down for real. And this is what happens in 1 Kings 18, 37 through 39. Elijah cries out to God and he says, answer me, Lord, answer me so these people will know that you are Lord, that you are God, and that you are turning their hearts back again. Now here's what happened. They ended up, the Baal prophets were crying out to the Baals all day long, come accept our sacrifices, come accept our sacrifices. Nothing is happening 
all day. Finally, Elijah's a little sick and tired of it. So he says, then the fire of the Lord fell once he prayed, and it burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the, the stones, the soil, and it also licked up all the water in the trench. And then when the people saw this, they fell out and they cried, and they said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And when God was challenged with this, let me tell you something. He showed up with power. When his people got together and when it came down to the wire, God is the one that showed up. God is the one with power. Not what we see, not what we hear, but almighty God himself. Some miracles brought God's judgment. I want to share a little story about that. You know, it was... Probably about six months into us truly attending church as a family that we finally started tithing. And to be real honest, we had financial issues back then, big time. And when I started tithing, I actually tithed on a garage sale, on money that I had made selling some of our old goods. And I remember writing the check, and I wrote at the bottom of the check, I said, God, make us tithers. Because God was dealing with me about giving. He said, if you cannot give the 10% that I'm calling you to give, you're going to lack in blessings. I said, oh, Jesus, no. I don't want to be lacking in nothing. <laughs> I want to be a giver. I want to be like my God. And so I was praying because it was like when you're looking at your circumstances and you're looking at your finances and you're going, this is impossible. How am I going to give? We started giving on credit card. <laughs> And I was like, God, we need you to come through. So we're about six months into giving, and we're faithfully giving, and the money's starting to turn around a little bit. It's looking good. And so all of a sudden, one of our kids come in, and they're driving too fast. They hop into the garage. They wreck the car into the freezer where I had just bought a bunch of food in the freezer. We lost all the food in the freezer. The freezer is broken. The car is messed up. Everything. So all, between all of the stuff that happened, it was about $1,200 down. I was like, whoa, wait a minute, God. I thought my giving was going to protect me from all of these things. And I'm sitting there and I'm praying. I'm saying, God, what happened? I thought you was going to come through for me. How many times have you done that? <laughs> and so God reminds me. He goes, bonus. And I had bo I was, bonus? What? So I went to Stan. I said, did we get a bonus? He said, yeah, yeah, we got a we got, we got, Remember that, that bonus we got? Well, the 10% of the bonus was the amount that we had just lost. I said, did you tithe on that bonus? He said, no, no, I, I did, I, I totally forgot. I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? And I learned that day that if I wanted to be in a position to where God was going to be able to bless me, I needed to be careful that I was going to watch myself. <laughs> so here we go. Sometimes miracles bring God's judgment. So was that a miracle? Not exactly. But let me tell you about one that was. The plagues of Egypt. He used Moses and Aaron. He turned the water into blood. The Nile River was running with just nice water. And then all of a sudden, when he touched it, it turned into blood. That means nothing in it could be eaten. The frogs, the lice, the flies, the livestock pestilence, the boils, the hail, the locusts, the darkness, the killing of the firstborn. All of that was judgments against Egypt that would not let God's people go. 
God also hardened the heart of Pharaoh because he was so upset with him. These were judgments. These were miraculous things that happened as a result of God's judgment. But it was in order to wake up people and say, don't mess with my people. If you're going to be an enemy of God and an enemy of his people, you should watch out. Because he showed up. So we need to remember that God is real. Exodus 34.10 says, Then the Lord said, I am making a covenant with you. Before all your people I will do wonders never before done in any nation in all the world. The people you live among will see how awesome is the work that I, the Lord, will do for you. He did give them stipulations. He said, do not take on their idolatry. Don't worship the junk they do. Don't worship the God they, they worship. You come and you bring sacrifices. You bring sacrifices of praise. You surrender your life, your feelings, your emotions, your desires, your thoughts, all of that stuff. You surrender and you lay down before God and you entrust yourself to him. And even after they did that, even after they would offer themselves, despite all the miracles that they had seen, despite all the ways that God had set them free, they would still become ungrateful. They would grumble because they didn't like the food once they got out into the wilderness. They ended up on a 14-day trip for 40 years because of grumbling and complaining and whining. We need to remember to be grateful, to be grateful to God for all that he has done for us. We need to learn that God helps us in times of trouble. You know, I went to, my, the first time I ever went to Africa, and I didn't really know, I mean, I understood some of the culture and some of the different things like that, but you know, in America, we're used to some pretty nice you know, highways and, and nicer cars and things like this. But when we get out there and the people that we're connected to pick us up, you know, the, the car wasn't, wasn't all that great, which is fine. I'm not funny like that. I don't care. Just get us there, you know. But we're driving along, and they said, okay, now this is where everybody prays. And I'm thinking, what? You know, we're, we're in a car. We're going. What, what's the problem? Oh, no, this is the intersection. And I'm like, the intersection? Okay. So there's an intersection, and I'm thinking again, an intersection like our intersection. Well, their intersection at that time, and it could be better now, but it was not a good intersection. You basically just put the pedal to the metal, and you just ram out there, and you go, and you pray. And everyone in the car, and all the Africans knew this, but I didn't. I was kind of freaking out. But they're praying, oh, Father God, in the name of Jesus, get us through this light. And I'm like, oh. Oh my gosh, and you just need to close your eyes when that happens. Because let me tell you something, you find out real quick why they're praying. It, it's pretty scary. You can't get through that red light without prayer unless you are going to get wrecked. <laughs> and that's really what I thought was about to happen. But I learned that these people learned to just operate in such a faith because they were just modern day things that they did not have. And they, they saw more miracles than, than we get to see, I believe. Because of that. But God helps us in times of trouble. And he helped out Daniel in times of trouble. 
Daniel 6.27 says, He rescues and He saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. Yes, Daniel spent the night with lions that were more than likely very hungry. And none of them were interested in having baked Daniel. And that was a miracle. God helps us in times of trouble. Remember that. You cry out to God in times of trouble. God helps us with supernatural strength. That's what he did with Samson in Judges. In Judges 14, 5 through 6, it says, Samuel went down to Timnah together with his father and his mother. And as they approached the vineyard, suddenly a young lion came roaring toward him. The Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him so that he tore the lion apart and his bare hands and his might have torn a young goat. But he told neither his father nor his mother what he had done. Now God allowed that in order to build his faith because there would even be times down the road when he would have to address certain issues and his strength would come upon him. And now I even have a story about this because this freaked me out. One day we're walking down the stairs and I'm just a few steps ahead of my husband and he's behind me. And somehow he trips on something and he loses his balance and he starts hurling toward me. I turn around and I look up only to see him coming at me knowing there is no way. If y'all know my husband, there's no way I can catch him. Honey, let me tell you right here. I caught that man. I caught him and I said, whoa, that is a miracle. (laughs) And it was. I've never been able to catch anybody like that. Especially somebody that's larger than me. God will let us know that he will strengthen us. We need to remember that he will strengthen us because he is all powerful. Now I want to talk about the the miracles of Jesus. Jesus brought the kingdom of God and it was confirmed through him. All the miracles All the miracles that happened through Jesus' life were a confirmation of who he really was. Miracles authenticated the character of Jesus. Miracles showed that Jesus had the final authority. Miracles were, Jesus was interested very much so in the faith of people. And through his miracles, Jesus would meet human needs. Mark 8, 1 through 8 says, Jesus called his disciples to himself and said, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me for three days and have nothing to eat. If I send them home hungry, they will collapse on the way because some of them have come a long distance. His disciples answered, but Where is a remote place that we can feed them bread? How many loaves do you have? Jesus asked. Seven, they replied. He told the crowd to sit down on the ground. When he had taken the seven loaves and given thanks, he broke them. And he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. And they did so. And they had a few small fish as well. And he gave thanks for them also. 
And he told the disciples to distribute that. The people ate and were satisfied. Afterward, the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. They had leftovers. And they had fed a lot of people. And through this, God shows that he will provide for your needs. Whatever you need. He had compassion. He even went as far as to say, they've been on a long journey. How can we, how can we do this? We can't just release them. They're going to they're gonna collapse. They're going to faint. They're gonna... God knows when you feel like that. He knows when you're tired. He knows when you're weary. He knows when you're just looking for that one more string to grasp a hold of so that you could still have hope. He knows. Jesus can take our little and he multiplies it. Remember that God multiplies. He takes your little and makes it big. Jesus was a healer. Jesus was very active in his ministry while he was here on this earth. Acts 5.16 said that crowds would gather from towns all around Jerusalem. They would bring their sick. They would bring those that were tormented with impure spirits. And all of them were healed. Mark 2, 3-12 says, Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. And since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, because by this time he's starting to draw big crowds, they made an opening in the roof. <laughs> this took some faith. It's like, if we can just get this man in here. I love it. I love it when people just say, Okay, we're going to figure this out. So they lowered him from the roof above by digging through it and the man was laying on a mat then when jesus saw their faith he said to the paralyzed man son your sins are forgiven now some teachers of the law that were there this was the pharisees right they're the ones that are always throwing a little chaos they're sitting there and they're thinking to themselves why does this fellow even talk like that He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew his, in his spirit that that's what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? They were skeptics. <laughs> Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man that your sins are forgiven or to say, get up and take up your mat and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he has said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. And he got up, he took his mat, and he walked out in full view of them all. And this amazed everyone. And they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. He freaked people out. And if we would just so dare to believe in a God that cares about us like that, then we would remember that we are not a people that are left alone during this season. We have not been abandoned by God. There was a woman with an issue of blood. 
And she comes through and she says, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I know that I would be healed and I know that I would be made whole. Just if I could just touch him. And you think, you know, first of all, if you understood the culture back then, women weren't really able to approach men. They weren't supposed to. And also women were considered to be unclean during that time, their monthly time. So they weren't even allowed to be around people. They were like, get your hands off, stay away, all of that. It was considered unclean. But yet in her spirit, her spirit is saying, I know I'm not really supposed to touch people and all that, and I'm considered unclean and all that. I could see her thinking it through. But this guy is real. And he cares about me, and he cares about where I'm at right now. If I could just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made whole. And she does it, and he recognizes because he says, wait, faith has left me. And he knew that something had happened, but it was because she joined her faith with who he was. And I ask you this, whatever you're going through, have you joined your faith with who he is? Peter was walking on the water, right? Jesus is coming up. They just served fish dinner. Then he goes off to pray. Peter probably still had the crumbs on his face from the dinner, And he sees something coming. He recognizes that it's Jesus. And he says, if that's you, then I'll come out and walk on the water with you. Looks kind of cool. He steps out of the boat, starts heading that way. The wind comes up just a little bit, causing a bit of a ruckus. And down he's going. How many of us are kind of like that? Our faith gets swayed because It's like the days just don't stop. We keep hearing all the bad news every day, every day. It's just driven down into us. Makes our faith shake. Like, God, where are you? I get it. Then you have Martha and Mary and the brother Lazarus, which Jesus would have said, these are my best friends. He's off doing something somewhere else. Lazarus gets real sick. Martha and Mary send word to him and say, you've got to rush back. He's about to die. Jesus is somehow not swayed. He did not feel a prompt in him to rush back at the same level as Martha and Mary felt. So he's like, yeah, I, I will. I'm, I, I got to stay on what I'm at right now, but it, it's all good. I, I got the message. But the Bible says he cried, he wept because he hurt with them. They were like his best friends. He, were, he was feeling what they felt. He knew what they were going through. He knew the fear. He, he knew. He got it. But he stayed. He wasn't swayed by that. What does that tell us? Solid. Stable, steady, unwavering. God, if we could be more like that. He finally comes back. He speaks to Lazarus. He says, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus raises from the dead. Martha and Mary are freaked. (laughs) 
Their eyes are probably about to jump up out of their head. And they're so filled with joy. And they're like, wow, even death doesn't hold back. This man, he's even getting people to respond to death. And they were amazed. And it was supposed to happen that way. And then he speaks to Lazarus and he says, you're not about to be sick no more. Go on and take off your grave clothes. You ain't living like that. I love these miraculous messages. They wake up our spirit, which is exactly what they need to do. We need to remember that these miracles shows that God cares about our everyday, our health, even our death, our life, our needs. He cares. He cares about it all. Matthew 26, I think it puts it together really well. It says, the spirit is strong, but the flesh is weak. I remember feeling like that. When I was going through my brain tumor and I'm laying in bed all of those days and they're trying to get the surgery scheduled and everybody's like, are you scared? And I'm like, are you kidding? I can't live like this. I might as well try something, you know? I wasn't scared, but I was concerned. But, you know, I remember God giving me this. He said, don't lean in to your body. And I thought, what does that mean? Don't lean in to your flesh. Don't lean in to your fears and your concerns about where you are and how your everyday looks right now. Don't lean into that as prominent. Because your flesh is weak. And if you count on that, then you will never get your place to this, this, yourself to this place of faith that I'm trying to take you through these circumstances. Because your spirit, your spirit, your spirit is stronger than your flesh. So focus on your spirit. That woke me up. It wakes me up now. <laughs> I can't focus on the things of this world and the things of the flesh. I have got to focus in on the spirit because it's stronger than the rest. Oh, Jesus. That needs to be a word for all of us right now in this season. There was miracles of casting out evil spirits in Matthew 12. Jesus had healed a man that was blind and mute. Check this out. Matthew 12, 22 through 23, it says, Then they brought him a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute. And Jesus healed him so that he could both talk and see. And all the people were astonished and said, Could this be the son of David? Which basically meant the son of God. (laughs) That day, the Bible says, When the disciples saw that happen, that's the day that they really believed. That's what the Bible says. It took the gospel from traveling like roller skates to a rocket. Because now he doesn't have people that are still going, hmm, let me see. Was that really real? No, no. Huh. When they saw this, they were like, whoa, this is really real. We need to take heart. Acts 8, 7 says, For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed and lamed were healed. 
Remember, he delivers us from evil. Don't forget these things. These things set up our faith for what God wants to do in the body of Christ right now, in this day and age. Miracles are a part of God's plan of redemption. Samuel 7.23 says, And who is like your people Israel, the one nation on earth that God went out to redeem as a people for himself and to make a name for himself and to perform great and awesome wonders by driving out nations and their gods before your people whom you redeemed from Egypt. Let me tell you, God chose to use these particular things that our faith might be built up. But oh, us of little faith, how we waver. How we waver at the five and the six and the ten o'clock news. (laughs) We do. We do. Because we're weak and it's hard to lean into those things. I understand. I I get like, I have to go turn it off. I'm not going to hear that right now. I am trusting and believing God for safety in my family. I'm believing God that he's going to give me wisdom. Don't go here. Don't go there. Go there. Go to, you know, I'm looking for wisdom all the time, every day and all that I do. Because I do realize this. I'm not silly. I am still here. I am still in a broken world, in a fallen earth with fallen people. I get it. Fully aware. But still believing for a miracle. Trust me, i, I got to do this too. I'm, I'm talking to myself right here, right now. Miracles are God's gift to us. They authenticate God's message to us, to his people. And these are done by his sovereign will. People respond to miracles differently, though. They have for ever since God's been doing miracles. Acts 8.13 says, Simon himself believed and he was baptized and he followed Philip everywhere they went, astonished by the great signs and the miracles that he saw. Some people were just awakened and alive from that point on. Wow, I have seen a miracle. Now I am a believer. I am all in. And some responded that way. And then some responded with rebellion. John 10, 25 says, Jesus answered. He said, I tell you, but you do not believe. The works I do in my Father's name testify testify about who I am. Miracles often depended on the faith of the person who was believing for that miracle. The person that was going to benefit from it. It was all dependent on their level of faith. Matthew 13, 58 says, And he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. God, don't let it be. Don't let me miss one thing that you're doing. Not one, God. Make me a believer. I do not want to be an unbelieving believer. I don't want to accept that you just saved me and you don't care about all my needs and you don't care about what's going on in the world. I can't accept that. I have to take it all, God. Help me to know how to function and operate in the faith that you have given me. Show me how to do it. John 10, 38 says, But if I do them, and I love this, 
If I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe in the works that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and that I am in the Father. Here's what he said. All right, fine. You don't believe in me? Believe in the miracle. Because if I can get you to at least believe in the miracle, then I can still have a little piece of you and I can still keep pulling you until I have your heart. Because that's how much he loved us. That's how much he loves his people. Jesus knew that the miracles stirred up the faith of the people. And if he could get them to start functioning in this place of faith, he could get them. Your flesh is weak, but your spirit is strong. If I can just get you to lean into that. Oh, honey, this is a good story, I know. But there's no good plot without tension, right? There's no good story without an adversary. We have to fight against ourselves. Sometimes we find out we're the problems ourselves. In the midst of a pandemic and social tensions, inequalities, lost businesses, chaos in our families, marriage is going bad because people are stuck at home longer than they planned. <laughs> They decide they don't like that person after all. <laughs> and as Pastor George always says, well, you're the one that picked them. <laughs> it's hard. We've all got to learn to get along when we're all on our last nerve. I was telling my husband the other day, my day kind of looks like this. I go from the church to the grocery store to home. The church to the grocery store to home. It's like I got this triangle. Your world starts feeling a little small. I get it. We're all antsy. We're all like that right now. But he knows. We're struggling with lost jobs, lost resources, feelings of hopelessness. It's almost like we're forgetting that God is creator. He created everything we see with absolutely nothing. It started, the Bible says that the earth was completely without form. And everything that it is today is because of him. He created day and night, the sea, the land, the animals, the people, everything. And we're forgetting because things look dim and things look grim that we're still serving that God, that one, that did all of these things that we're talking about. Psalms 91 says this, thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come near to you. I'm telling you, I'm pleading that scripture every day. Sometimes you may narrowly escape the evil. But the Bible says those who dwell in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadows of the Almighty. And I will say of the Lord that you are my refuge and my fortress and you I will trust. Surely he will save you from the snares and from the pestilence and he will cover you with his feathers. Surely he's still that God. Surely he is. Ephesians 6 says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes for our struggles are not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, authorities, and powers in dark places. During this season, believe it or not, in spite of what you see in all the world, God is calling his church to be different. Yeah. He is calling us to be a church that's ready in season and out. 
And sometimes the church, we can't explain all this. We, we, as God's people, I can't tell you why all these things are happening right now. I, I'd be an idiot to try. But here's what I do know. I serve a God that cares. And I serve a God that I need to remember what he has done in the past because he is the same God today. And I will hang on to my faith. Honey, do not hang up your Sunday clothes on Sunday. You wear your clothes every day. You be ready in season and you be ready out. Paul said to stand firm with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes with the gospel of peace. This people is an awakening. We are a drum roll up for a miracle. Will we believe? Psalm says, the Lord says, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. He's still the same God. He's still the same God. All the greatest miracles that we see, that we narrow, people narrowly escaped all the evil and narrowly, they were healed just right before they died. They came back from the, all these things. Nothing, nothing that was done is a shadow to what salvation has brought us. Salvation brought us goodness in spite of where we are. Salvation calls us God's people. Salvation, the death, the, the, the resurrection, the forgiveness, the saving of all the sins. He said, I'll make every provision for you. I will make every provision for you. Whether you're here, whether you're there, whether you stay, whether you go, whether you die, whether you live, I've already made all provision. I've made provision that you don't have to fear, that you don't have to live in need or want. I'll meet your every need. And he says, all I'm asking you to do is to surrender. Surrender yourself. Get off the roller coaster. Step over into peace. The peace that makes no sense in the time of all of these things that are going on. That peace. He says, I only ask you to have this. I just want you to renounce sin and to believe in me. That's it. Renounce sin and believe in me. And I am asking you today, are you an unbelieving believer? Or are you are you just like a fence rider, Christian? Are you just like, you know, just like kind of just like, yeah, I'll go on Sunday? I'm asking you to make a firm decision. I am asking you to surrender all, everything, every question, every concern, every fear. Surrender. Lay it at his feet and let him Become your everything. Pray this prayer with me. Father, I just, I don't even know how to fully surrender. In times of fear and in times of need and times of questioning and times of chaos and times of concern, God, the miracles get me stirred up but, and I want to have faith like that. All you have to do is say, God, Take me, little me, with all of my wrongs and my sins and forgive me and make me new. Wash me clean, white as snow. 
And if you just said that, he heard you. And I assure you, it's done. It is simple and it is a prayer. That is all it is. As long as you mean it in your heart, it is finished. And it is done and your choice has been made. And Father, I am asking you for each of those that have made that decision today, God, that you would touch them, that you would protect them, that you would watch over them, that you would lead them and guide them according to your purposes, God. And God, I just pray that they would get a part, get, be a part of a church family that would join in their faith with them and that you would watch over their hearts more than anything. If you prayed that prayer, I want you to text 94,000 New Start. And we want to get information that's going to help you walk out your Christian faith and help you to get to that place spiritually where God wants to move and work in your life. And I am just praying that you will fully entrust him with every care and with every concern about your life this morning. God, I just thank you for what you're doing. Protect our people. Protect your people, God, just like you did back in the ancient days, God. You're the same God today, yesterday, and forever. And we believe you and we trust you, God, with all of our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Now this morning, we want to continue to offer up our faith to God by giving. And you can simply give through text by texting the word Life Point Church to 73256. And we will be happy to take care of that with you. Just remember this. Remember that you serve a God of miracles. Remember to let God continue to build your faith. Amen.